to Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge. Well, Corey, it's been a heck of a couple weeks, man. Yeah. It's been a wild ride. Um, first of all, we want to thank all of our listeners for their patience. We've had uh, had to push last week's show back a week, so we're back. We're on normal schedule, um, but we appreciate everybody's patience. Um, we had some family troubles to attend to, and I just wanted to start off this episode with a couple of words, and things have been weighing on my heart here lately. Um, you know, we're all guilty of living in the fast-paced lifestyle. We're worried about what show to go to what in the next weekend, worried about how our livestock are, are growing, and what our plans are for tomorrow. But a couple of weeks ago, all of that stuff that I'm guilty of as well, living in that fast-paced lifestyle, came to a complete halt. Emily and I found out that her mother was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. and Her mother, Melinda, has been battling lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, and osteoporosis for many years and has been in and out of the hospital. Through all of her pain, though, she never lost sight of what was important, and that was her family. Emily got a call last week that her mother was in the hospital yet again, but this time not doing so well. We dropped everything and rushed to her side. And on Saturday, this past Saturday the 6th, her mother passed away in the early mornings with her family at her side, she passed peacefully. She is no longer in pain. Truth is, folks, we aren't guaranteed tomorrow. We all have a plan about what to do tomorrow and the next day, but ultimately it's not our decision. It's God who has the final say. With that, I want to say this. Folks, we got to slow down. We have to live in the moment. Hug your parents while you can, and please say I love you and mean it. With that, we ask two things of our listeners, two very small things. One, please send a prayer to the Henseroth family in their time of grief and uh, just getting through a tough time. And two, please make a donation by going to our website under the store tab and click the donation button. All the rest of June, your donation will go towards pancreatic cancer research in Melinda Henseroth's honor. So all the rest of June, if you would, any, any size would greatly help. We're going to make a donation at the end of June for pancreatic cancer research in Melinda's honor. So we appreciate your guys' patience, but wanted to let you in on uh, what's happening. And uh, unfortunately, we lost a very great woman who um, has raised amazing kids. One of them I get to marry in October. And um, it's tough times, but we appreciate everybody who's been praying for us and uh, sending their love and text messages and phone calls and, and all of that. So we uh, encourage the Stock Talk Nation, uh, if you would, um, if anything, just send a prayer to the Henseroth family's way, and um, if, you, if you're able, make a, a donation to uh, stocktalk-podcast.com. Go to the Store tab and click the Make a Donation tab. Man, uh, it has been a... Been a rough couple of weeks, but I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that everybody got to be there. You know, yeah, it was so. um, quite the sight to see. Um, through all of the sadness, um, she uh, 
she was there for the last couple of days. You know, she was uh, sleeping, um, but we had uh, reasons to believe that she could definitely hear us, uh, some of which we would crack jokes with each other in the hospital room, and she would kind of smirk the corner of her mouth and try to kick us. So we know that her personality was still there with us. Um, one of the most amazing things, and if you guys don't believe uh, that God works in awesome ways, one of which I witnessed firsthand, um, Emily's brother, Sarah, or <laughs> Emily's sister, Sarah, was in the room with us, and Emily's brother, um, Jake, was out in Oregon where he lives and was unable to um, to be there, but he's actually on his way. Today is the calling hours, and um, obviously we're pre-recording that, so I'm actually at the services now, but uh, Jake called in a couple times just to talk to uh, his mother, and um, as he was talking and telling telling her that he's sorry that he couldn't be there and loved her very much and glad that she's no longer in pain, we looked at her face and there was a tear in the corner of her eye. So um, that's amazing stuff, uh, although it's very sad. Um, you know, God certainly had his hands on, on that entire room and that family in that moment, and um, like you said, she's no longer in pain. And uh, that's that's all we can ask for. Um, you know, Dale and, and the family there has been amazing. Um, just the, the way that everything has happened. Um, they're still remembering the good times. I got to flip through thousands of photos at the Henseroth house with Emily. And I kind of was joking with Dale. I said, Dale, I think I uh, grew up with you guys now for all the pictures that I got to look through. <laughs> so you can just tell in, in the mother's face and all those photos that, her ultimate goal was to make her family happy, and, and she did that, um, raised some incredible kids that are very tough in a challenging time, and um, I was glad I could be there as well, and uh, she she waited for everybody to be in the room, and it was tough, but it was also, um, you know, now she's no longer in pain, and that's comforting. Right. Well, Trevor, you talked about slowing down and maybe taking a taking a breath, and we talked through this whole COVID deal and, and everything that's happening in our world about slowing down. And this is a time for us to be able to kind of reflect on what's most important. And I think folks have, have realized that, but as things have started to pick back up, there are some things that are happening in the show stock world that I feel like we still need to pump the brakes on. Yeah, no doubt. Um, state fairs are canceling. County fairs are canceling in the Midwest. It's becoming more real that, you know, we're going to have to take alternative measures for any show uh, that happens this summer. With that being said, I had an opportunity to talk to um, the director of livestock shows uh, for the Indiana State Fair, Spencer Morris, good friend of the show. He and I talked for a while because you know, I, I told him I was in his corner because when the announcement came that the Indiana State Fair was going to cancel, um, but there would still be a modified livestock show, um, some folks reacted maybe just a little bit more selfishly, I think, um, because of some of the announcements that were made in regards to how this modified show is going to work. And... And I, and I don't want to put that blanket on everybody because I know that there's a lot of folks out there that, um, you know, we're grateful that we actually get the show, which is huge in itself. Um, Spencer and I talked and, and one of the, one of the things that uh, I, the biggest question is 
so the Indiana State Fair is going to limit every exhibitor to two livestock entries only, mm. unless you're in companion animal, poultry, that sort of stuff, rabbits. That will that's a little different. I think you get four entries on that side. Um, the reason for this limited entries, because you know, as an exhibitor, I'm thinking, well, I got a steer on feed, I got two barrows, I got right. three gilts, I got you know, a market lamb and a weather goat and all this other stuff. There's, you know, those, those are going to be tough decisions for a lot of families that are multi-species. But remember this, um, those of you that are in Indiana and have not read governor Holcomb's phase five plan, just because we are reopening the state supposedly by July 4th, doesn't mean that the social distancing regulations and, and all that are not going to be in place because they will be. And I think uh, for those of you that don't understand that um, go read the fine print there. Um, So that's the biggest, the biggest reason for the limitation on exhibitors uh, entries Um, is because they are going to have to practice social distancing at the Indiana state fair this year meaning that they're going to have to limit pin space. They're going to literally reduce um, the number of pins they set up. They're going to widen the alleyways, um, all that sort of a thing at, to, to comply with, you know, the, the regulations of, of the government, which folks, it's okay. Yes. got to do what we, we got to do. Show. Still get to show. Um, and, you know, with fewer, uh, with fewer animal accommodations, they are still expecting an increase in entries. Think about this, if you haven't yet. With so many fairs canceling, so many going virtual, you know, county fairs all over the state of Indiana, there's a bunch of them that have gone virtual. Um, you know, for those families that still want that chance to show and hit the ring, they're going to enter the state fair and there's probably going to be more families entering the state fair this year because they won't have an opportunity to show at a live show other than that. Right. um, With their projects. So they're actually, you know, planning for a 20% increase in the number of exhibitors showing, Hmm. which can be possible. But if you think about how things have been in the past, the state fair, you know, in each barn, you're allotted certain number of entries anyway. But if your pin space is down and you've got one, let's just say, you know, you got one market lamb or, you know, you have three market lambs at home. You can only bring a maximum of two to the state fair if that's what you want your entries to be. In all fairness, it would make sense to limit everybody's number of entries so that more people can show up and get the experience. True. And I would say in 2020, there's no room for selfishness. No way. And we need, we need to realize that this is, this is incredible for our state to actually host a state fair for 4-H to show livestock in this environment, there's not many states that surround us that say that they can't do the same. Yeah, I live in one. Um, exactly. The uh, 
Ohio State Fair has been canceled. They really, I, I say they, but um, not all. Um, some of which did not, um, you know, they didn't see a way that they could do it in any way else. So they canceled the whole state fair. And uh, now we have the Ohio Youth Livestock Expo. And um, they kind of decided to split the species up in different fairgrounds. I think mm-hmm. Dark County and Pickaway County, hogs will be in Pickaway County and other three species. Um, I say, you know, just the livestock species will be in Dark County. Um, so I, when there's a will, there's a way. And uh, there was an excellent group uh, on the committee of the um, Ohio Youth Livestock Expo. Um, so that was good to see that there's still an outlet. It's actually pretty much the same time or at least very close to um, when they would be showing anyway. So that right. would that helps out. But it's nice to know that uh, Spencer Morris there in Indiana um, is directing that because if you uh, if you think about people who are resilient and need to find a way or want to find a way, Spencer is probably one of those people. He is one of those guys. Well, and I'll tell you this, to cap this off, if any of you listening um, – still don't understand why these decisions were made. Uh, Number one, social distancing needs to take place and was not an option. Yep. They, it it pretty much was said that if they do not practice social distancing, that they are not going to be able to have a show. Okay. That's number one. That wasn't an option. And number two, there's some very high profile show families across all species that were thrown into a focus group to determine that consistency across the board, across all species, whether you showed the best steers in the state of Indiana, or you had companion animals or, you know, poultry or rabbits, folks, they all came together and said, if, if we can sit down and, and say, we can have our show, but they can't have theirs because ours is more important. We're missing the point. Mm-hmm. And right. so those those families got together and determined that it's an all or nothing kind of event. Yep. So keep that in mind that, you know, some of the best families that show livestock in this state came together and say and, and, and said that, you know, my kid's going to show his bears. But I know that those people over there. Um, that exhibit poultry and rabbits and companion animals, the good families take it just as serious as we do. Right. So they recognize that and that's, that's how it's going to be good. So let's uh, let's, let's take a deep breath because we're still having a show. Uh, Like we said earlier, when this whole thing started, we will, we will show livestock this year. Yes. And, and, and by God, we're doing it. Let's do it. So I'm ready. Let's not, Let's not uh, let's not flood with questions and asking too much of why. The reason why is because we get to have a show regardless of what's happening in the rest of the world. Extremely important. Extremely important. So, speaking of shows happening, the folks at Walton are still putting on some incredible cyber shows. Oh, yeah. I'm amazed. It's still rolling. Rolling heavy, too. Absolutely. So, make sure that you tune in to waltonwebcasting.com and watch these incredible cyber stock shows that they've been putting on. Um, I mean, the production value 
in itself. Yeah, and you know, one of the events that are going to be at actually tomorrow is some we're going to talk about in um, today's episode with our guests. Yes. The Exchange. Yes, we are. Happening tomorrow. The Exchange. The Exchange, uh, boy, that's, I'm really looking forward to watching that. Yes, yep. Uh, but before really we get important. to our, our guests, of course, showpig.com is uh, doing a lot of cool things. And uh, outside of the showpig world, um, they are, they still have the junior fair auctions platform, uh, which, you know, with your county fair, uh, a lot of the concern is, yeah, we can have a show, uh, but how are these young people going to recoup some of their money? And uh, one of the ways is to get a hold of showpig.com or the Wint Group. And they will have a junior fair auctions platform that will mm-hmm. help you uh, get some of those sold in, in a very easy-to-use platform, I should say. And those of you who want to advertise on showpig.com, they have a summer special, an email blast, plus a Jumbotron banner for one week used to be $575. Mm-hmm. Now we're at 450 you, that's another $125 you could spend on feed. That's right. Plus, you're reaching thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of people. So you're going to get one email blast and one week Jumbotron for $450. Get a lot of eyeballs on what you, whatever you're trying to sell through showpig.com. I'm just saying that's a pretty solid deal. Yes. Pretty solid deal. What was the original price on that? Original was $575. Now we're at $450. Oh, my. Well, um, before we jump into our guests, Trevor, we've got the segment that you and I kind of spun off. Yes, have, have, uh, we've like we've liked to do this one. So, still waiting on a jingle. If somebody out there is musically still waiting inclined, on a jingle. I mean, I'm telling you, I just, just think it's going to take the right person with a guitar and even a, even a below average voice. I would take. Yeah, we'll just wait point. a little longer. We'll wait, hold off just a little bit, but let's say a couple weeks, we're going to need something. If not, yeah. we'll just have to jump on uh, jump online and buy something. Yeah. Well, hats off. Here we go. Hats off. Brought to you by Fierce Threads slash Big Paul. That's right. Company. Uh, Fierce Threads, if you haven't ever listened to our show before, are the best in the business when it comes to screen printing, embroidery, book bags, awards, you name it. They do it all. But actually, more got, importantly, sorry, got you off. But I actually got a text message about, hey, I love the stickers that you guys got. Where'd you guys, oh, yeah. where'd you do those at? Oh yeah, Fierce Threads, of course. Yep, yep. Um, and Big Paul Lifestyle Co. I mean, if you got people you know that have birthdays coming up or Ooh, whatever, yeah. go online, shop Big Big Paul Lifestyle Company, buy some really cool merchandise. Uh, the Be Nice brand, I'm telling you some cool stuff. I really like the new big Paul hat that they came out with all black with the little big Paul logo in the corner. It's yes. pretty slick. Yes. I would probably wear one of those Mark and Jenna, if you want to send one, <laughs> rep, rep the brand. A little <laughs> Anyways, uh, hats off Trevor. Who does your hat go off to? Well, it's a, uh, it's pretty obvious to say my hat goes off to the Hensroth family. Um, Dale, Sarah, Jake, and Emily, um, they're going through a tough time and my hat goes off to them because I, I was absolutely amazed how uh, how planned everything was. Um, you know, sometimes things happen and you don't know where to go. Um, my father-in-law, Dale, is an amazing human to watch work because he uh, 
he had everything planned out uh, in a matter of a couple days, and he's a planner. Um, and I, I've took notes just in my daily operations of how he's kind of conducted his family. Um, certainly a lot of things to learn off there, but, and then the way the, the siblings kind of communicated to make things work. And, um, although it was a very tough time, um, they were very close knit and, um, you know, it's easy to get frustrated. It's easy to place blame in time of, uh, when you're grieving, but they didn't and, um, kind of stayed, uh, very calm and collected as much as possible through a tough time. So my hat goes off to the entire Henseroth family. And I said the immediate family there, but there was uncles that came by and uh, the grandmas were in there and everybody um, just uh, a very, very cool thing to watch in an unfortunate time. So my hat goes off to the Henseroth family uh, losing Melinda there. Uh, certainly not easy, uh, but um, they, they were amazing to watch because I was there the whole time and they continue just to, to amaze me. So um, love all you guys. If you're listening, I know some of you thought uh, you met, you might do that. Um, so hence Roth family, my hat goes off to you. I don't know if I could top that, um, nor will I try. But <laughs> my, my hat goes off to you this week, TK, for, uh, for handling things the way you have the past couple weeks. Um, it's been amazing to watch. I, I could not imagine being in your position. Um, so folks like, uh, like Trevor said, just let people know you love them. Uh, take the extra time to, to make the phone call that you've been, you've been thinking about or give the hugs that, you know, you've been meaning to give, um, reconcile with anybody that you might have harsh feelings for life's too short and the world doesn't stop turning for anybody. So uh, just make sure that you're, you're embracing those moments. So TK, my hand goes off to you this week, buddy. Well, I appreciate it, uh, man. I appreciate it. Yep. We got to, I'm guilty as charged. Got to start saying what I feel to those who I love and they need to hear it sometimes, but I appreciate that, man. Really means a lot. You bet. You bet. Okay, let's get into this banger of an episode because it's good. And we've got two guys coming on here that you want to talk about a father-son duo that has truly uh, made a mark and stamped a brand on what the, what it is they do on the day-to-day. Todd and Blake Kennedy are innovators. They are industry leaders. And what's incredible is just the amount of energy that they pour in every single day mm-hmm. to ensuring that genetic progress is made, that youth livestock exhibitors are getting the best that they can get from the best breeders and producers that are in our industry across all species. And what's even better is that Blake is one of the youngest guys in the industry to be doing what he's doing right now. Yeah. So cool. So without further ado, please welcome to the show. Inventors of the exchange, two of the brightest minds in the industry today, Todd and Blake Kennedy. Well, Corey, we have another duo with us this week. We've got 
Todd and Blake Kennedy. Uh, many of you know you know them uh, through the Kennedy Ventures and among other things we're going to get into in this episode. So guys, thanks for joining us and uh, we're excited to get into these topics because they're going to be pretty different from other episodes that we've had. So as we always get started, um, we'll start with Todd. Just give us a little bit of history uh, about your involvement in the livestock industry and how you got started. Sure. Well, um, thank you, Trevor and Corey, for uh, bringing us on here today and uh, kind of really been pretty excited about uh, having the opportunity to do this and kind of share our story. I kind of think uh, some of it's pretty unique, but um. I guess to answer your question, truthfully, in terms of how I got started in it, I guess this has been about a, uh, probably about a 40 year process for me. I, uh, I started, um, as an eight, nine year old, my dad took me, uh, uh, to a pig sale, got me a couple of show pigs. We brought them home and, uh, I had some County fair projects. Um, then, uh, I guess a year or so, uh, later, we decided we was going to raise some of our own pigs, and uh, he, we went down and was able to purchase a Berkshire bred gilt, and that was the breed that we started with, and um, I was, I guess I would have been a nine-year-old at that time uh, when we did that, and things, uh, truthfully, I guess, have never looked back. I mean, I, I never, I never really looked at it that way in that many manners, but uh, from that time until today, I have been blessed and fortunate enough to say that I was involved with the, uh, the livestock show industry because from raising that first litter of pigs until where, where I am today, um, every day of my life, I've been associated with it. So um, growing up, my um, family, me, my mom and dad, uh, uh, my dad and I, uh, we had a Berkshire herd. And um, those that know and those that will probably be listening that, that remember those days, uh, you know, things were obviously different. Uh, things are always, we can always say things are different, particularly this day and time, but things were different then, uh, particularly in the, in the area of when that was. Um, we made a lot of Berkshire Barras and Berkshire Classifying Barras, particularly at that time. We made, uh, we was probably one of the, the very first ones out there to uh, to go pretty exotic with that breed. Uh, a lot of people still to this day uh, ask me about that and how that all come about. But uh, had a great deal of success in that uh, in the in the late '80s and and all through the '90s. Uh, and we made uh, we basically we made uh, barras to be shown in the in the Southwest market and. Um, and when I talk about classifying, it was because of the fact that um, we were able to do things and, and we did things then um, that, quite frankly, to be honest, I mean, there was a, they were they were crossed up. They were exotic. Uh, Piatrins at that time was really uh, introduced to the to the show industry, which I mean, all of us that was during that time, obviously remember the uh, remember the era that was. So. Um, you know, it, uh, it, it changed the game, but, uh, we was on quite a roll there. Um, I don't know. I, I need to look back. I'm not sure how many times or, or what did I can tell you that we had, uh, champions reserves or anything else between Fort Worth, San Antonio, Houston, Oklahoma city. There was a time or two. We won all of those in the same year. 
but um, during that period, we won them all. Huh. And um, so um, it's a pretty good run. And then um, so I grew older. I did that uh, my, my entire youth life, I guess. Graduated, had the opportunity to go on and uh, go to college, uh, Connors State College. I judged on the livestock judging team um, there. Met my wife. Um, come home and um, we we'd continued. She, again, another one that uh, she showed pigs. I better throw in here the fact that she showed pigs. And I always tell people that she actually showed a breed champion at Oklahoma City. And that is something that myself or Blake, neither one ever done. So um, <laughs> she, uh, that is one title that, uh, that she gets to claim in our household. And we're, we're proud of her for that. So, um, but um, anyway, uh, later on, uh, I guess they're uh, around 2000, uh, year 2000. I uh, went to work with uh, Brent Boland there at High Point. Uh, I tell people I was very, bl very blessed and fortunate to uh, uh, get to work through the glory years. Um, had uh, had the opportunity when to be around there when High Point was certainly on a roll of in all of the uh, uh, Barris shows there. I mean, I had I was there when uh, when Bocephus was around, Tybo was around, and, and so many other ones. Um, that, that was certainly dominant, you know, throughout the, the, the show pig industry. Um, so that was, that was the time of my life that I can tell you that, uh, um, in that seven, eight years, there was, there was several great people that, uh, that I still deal with today. I had the opportunity to meet, meet several of those and, and, and work with so many breeders from across the United States, uh, during that time frame. Um, and then. From there, I, uh, I took on, uh, that's when I was approached. I went to work with um, Showrite. I'm in my 15th year now of uh, working for Showrite. I'm the uh, national sales manager uh, and oversee that brand. And uh, certainly blessed about that and, and have the opportunity to work with, you know, families on a day-to-day -day basis as, as well as teachers and county agents. So, um, it's probably long, but still yet a, a, a pretty short, uh, briefing of, uh, of my life. So. That's awesome. We failed to mention too, you guys are down in Oklahoma and for folks that may not know, uh, what part of Oklahoma do you guys uh, reside? Uh, Tecumseh, Oklahoma. We are uh, about 30 miles east of Oklahoma city. Okay. Now that's a good segue. Speaking of Tecumseh, um, Let's talk about the FFA program there, Blake. You had quite a successful SAE, so uh, let's get started in uh, with uh, talking about that experience and any of those maybe high school kids that are listening. Uh, what kind of goes into that? And uh, let's just share the success you had. And, of course, let's talk about some prize chickens. Yeah, um, so I guess that, you know, my SAE, it started back uh, in 2013. Um, I actually pulled out my records here and kind of looked through them. And, and so in 2013, uh, my supervised ag agriculture education experience uh, actually started out as just showing swine and goats uh, to where it then led on to me showing sheep as well as um, 
being the cell manager of the perfect timing pig cell. Uh, I was very fortunate that, you know, my ag teachers kept me on track there and continuing to do my record books and different things. And, and uh, it would be in the fall of 2015, uh, <clears throat> the advisors that I had, they told me that I needed to apply for uh, some different proficiency divisions as well as a star and agribusiness. And uh, so we sat down and we started putting the applications together and, and started working for it and working towards uh, memorizing all the numbers, my entire record book, not just from the past year, but all the way up to when I started the record book. Um, this allowed me uh, <clears throat> to then move on. I, I was very fortunate to win the, the district co uh, competition, uh, went on through the PI and actually won the state competition. Uh, after I won the state, I was then approached and said that uh, not the next year, but in the following years, I would be competing for the uh, American Star and Agribusiness. And I was like, whoa, you know, that's that's pretty intense, you know, but they said, uh, you got to keep doing your record book. And I was like, okay, that, you know, that's good. And uh, so uh, this, this past year, uh, in 2019, uh, I had the opportunity to go to uh, Indianapolis. Uh, I was in a room with four other individuals uh, competing for the American Star and Agribusiness. Um, and I just so happened to win. Uh, and that was a, you know, a huge bucket list thing uh, for me. Uh, it, it was very, very big because my SAE was like no one else's, mm -hmm. you know, and and we were, I was very fortunate to, to do several different interviews right after I won. And that was something that I told everyone is, you know, this is an opportunity in the FFA that you have to show just exactly what you're involved in. You know, it's not, you don't just have to have, you know, a farm to, to win. You don't have to have just um, raise pigs or raise different livestock. I mean, it can be a business that you've grown, uh, grown yourself. Uh, and in, in my case, I mean, that, that's what it was. I took over the management position, uh, of my, of my parents pig sale and, you know, we grew it together as a team. And, and so that was something that was, you know, pretty remarkable for me. Um, you know, I can tell you that any kid that is thinking about pursuing proficiency divisions or star divisions to go after it because it is, it has helped me become a better person. Uh, it's helped me become someone that uh, does a lot better on the record side of everything due to the FFA and the, the things that you uh, are involved in. So uh, something that is very, very good. Um, and I encourage anyone to do it. Well, you guys had a heck of a program down there. I just saw, um, I just saw you shared on Facebook the other day, one of the was slated as a state FFA officer there too from from your uh, hometown program so that's pretty neat um, it, it's kind of kind of cool to look back and just kind of see where all those things started for you guys and I guess that kind of helps uh, you know segue into some other things uh, because I'm really interested to talk about this this chicken program you got and, and I don't know I don't know what to call it. Is it, and you'll have to educate me, Blake, because is it, uh, is it a breeding program that you have? I, it I don't, says I don't here know on our outline, prize chickens. So I just read I, what I was did put prize I did put prize chickens because, you know, I feel like that's what they are. 
Yeah. So um, this is uh, <laughs> this is this is funny. There, if you know me really well, you know that uh, anytime I sit down, uh, my chickens come up. Um, I, I, that's something that I, I don't know where I picked it up at. I don't know how I got really got involved in it. Uh, but it, it is a breeding program. Uh, it actually um, kind of where it all mainly started was back in 2015. Uh, me and dad actually went to Ryan Wagey's house to look at his pigs for uh, that was going to be coming to the perfect timing pig sale. And we got it. We pulled right there in his driveway. And if you've ever been there, uh, his sow lot is right there. And next to it, there's a chicken coop. And I mean, dad gets out and he's walking to the pig barn and I'm like, Oop, there's chickens. You know, I got a few chickens. So that's where I head. I go straight over there to the chicken barn and I'm looking through it and, and I see this hen and I told Wade, I said, I, I got to have that hen. And he's like, well, they don't really work like that. And I was like, Hey, I, I got a chicken. I'll trade you. So we, we make the deal. And he's, I said, if you'll just bring it to PT, I'll bring my chicken and we'll trade. And he's like, okay. And I can tell you as, as big as PT was that year, the only thing I was worried about was if this chicken was on its way. <laughs> I mean, I, that's, that, that's, that was me. I mean, I was ready for this chicken to get here and I was ready to get the breeding program on and everything. And so I, I get this chicken and I mean, I, I bred her throughout the years and, and I had four or five different hens that I kept back out of her. And, and so then fast forward all the way up to 2018 um, I was very fortunate enough to play college golf uh, right after high school and uh, after my two years at Seminole State College um, I then was going to be moving away and, and moving about three hours from home and my mom said hey we got to get rid of the chickens and uh, I mean I was I was an upset little kid is what I felt like <laughs> and so I, I, I woke up and I thought you know what I'm going to call Dave Geyer and I'm going to have a chicken and sell. And I sent him a message and uh, it's actually really funny because I went back through our text and found the text and uh, I said, are you busy? And he said, no. And I called him. I said, Hey, I want to have a chicken sale. And he's like, yeah, whatever. You're crazy. <laughs> and I was like, no, Hey, I, I you know, it's going to be eight lots. We're going to do this. <laughs> and and uh, he said, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to have Tyler Humphrey call you. And I said, okay. And so I sent him all this. I, you know, I did descriptions. I, I mean, I did the whole nine yards. Now walk me through, I hate to interrupt you, but walk me through what a chicken description sounds like. Oh, God. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> okay. So this was lot one, two, and three. Now, I mean, I, I printed this off so I'd have it. So lot one, two, and three, all half brothers. Donald Trump was a white silky rooster that I'd raised in the spring of 2016 after after i purchased a hen from a lady at our county fair which went on to lay an egg on the way home very lucky this is what i <laughs> very lucky is what i thought considering he turned out to be the centerpiece of my silky program after raising donald trump i knew i needed to breed him to something unique just because of his story mating his <clears throat> mother up to rocky which was another silky rooster that I had bought at the time, which I was able to get five chicks, three hens, and two roosters. They were blue. They were black. I mean, they were real crazy looking. 
but they were, I mean, just a perfect match. Uh, and, and so that, that is what lot one, two, and three was, is they were silky <laughs> roosters. Man. So, you know, it doesn't yeah, sound it, uh, too far from what we're used to hearing here with our four legged species. <laughs> yeah, that that's true. That's true. So, uh, you know, the, the sale, the sale itself, um, happened, it was the night of the big three field days. If I, if I'm correct, um, it was one of the nights I can't, I can't remember if it was the swine night or whatever. Uh, but we, I remember Geyer called and he was like, you're, you're not going to believe this. And I said, what? He goes, the amount of traffic that you have on this chicken auction is crazy. And I was like, oh, come on, you know. I mean, honestly, I was just thinking, heck, if I get a bid on any of them, I'll be happy, you know. <laughs> I mean, I just assume, hey, I'm going to buy them all back. It's going to be a joke, you know, kind of a deal. <laughs> well, it had got, I mean, it had gotten to the evening here, and I get a phone call uh, from Dunlap, Iowa. And they're like, hey, if we buy these chicken, chickens, we have a guy in Oklahoma that can haul them back for us tomorrow could you meet him? And I'm like, Whoa, who's, you know, who's this joke? Who's joking with me? You know? And they're like, can you get health papers? And I'm like, Whoa, Hey, you know, like I'm not, I wasn't even ready for any of this, you know? And I start clicking on there and seeing what these chickens brought. And I, I looked all over uh, reports and everything. I can't figure out what the average was, but I mean, I would say that average had to be right around 75 or $85 for these eight chickens. Wow. And and the reason why is because, I mean, those last couple of lots were just little chicks, you know. Uh, but those roosters, they went on. Uh, I think that they called their self um, Dunlap Cock Farm. I have a hat hanging up uh, that they actually give me last year at the World Pork Expo. And uh, so, so it was kind of – it was cool. And uh, so I, I was fortunate enough to graduate from college here uh, in December, a semester early. And uh, as soon as I got back home, I kind of went down there and all my chicken stuff was still there. And, and I bought a few birds. And uh, today I'm back up to about 85 head. Um, it, it, it is a breeding program. Uh, I try to hatch um, every Wednesday and Thursday. I hatch chicks. I try to hatch between 20 and 30 chicks a day uh, or on those days. And um, the reason for that is there is a chicken sale, the mod auction, uh, no every Thursday. Every Thursday. So, <laughs> so tonight when we get off here, I'm going to jump in my pickup and I'm going to drive my chicks down to this auction and sell them. Well, how about that? I've got okay. a thousands of questions, but this may be a whole nother episode in itself. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. Oh, well, yeah. let's. Dude, okay, uh, hold on. Now, here's my. Here's my big thing. If a person is hatching that many chicks a day, how have you, I feel like you've missed an opportunity to get hooked in with like tractor supply or somebody <laughs> and get those things moved at a rapid pace. Maybe, maybe, oh. your, maybe your local auctions better. I don't know. So um, it's, I, it's value added. It's value added services. Right, here's, value, well, I'll go. interrupt real quick. I'll interrupt. Um, so one of the things that, that Blake has always had a knack for and the ability for has been able to market a value added program. Uh, now the one part that he probably left out there with you and maybe didn't, didn't get fully emphasized 
is the fact when he tells you it's a program, it seriously is. I mean, he knows every one of those eggs are marked. He knows what hens are out of. He knows how to, he has taken his genetic background of what he has learned through the livestock side and the show side. And he has actually implemented it into these chicken rate into raising these chickens. And I mean, he, he line breeds these things. Um, it's about the color. I mean, he's about making them, um, you know, quality colors and all that, but that is what sells. And, <laughs> and to be honest with you, I mean, it is, it's, you know, a lot of people laugh about it, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a pretty unique deal. So. Well, I think I saw on, it was one of your Snapchats. I think it was Todd's, but you were like three inches from the grass. I think the grass was maybe taller than your camera lens trying to get photos of these, uh, of these things. And I thought it was just uh, maybe a new consignment from another sale or something, but little did I know this was part of the program. Hey, we're going to talk about the exchange here in a minute, but is there an opportunity possibly for some primetime genetics for the exchange to hop on here? There might be, you might be seeing one. Uh, well, and I got to think that you probably have a leg up on picturing and just getting those things in an environment to be presented probably better than most. Yeah. Uh, better than most. We'll say that. <laughs> um, but I mean, to answer your question about the tractor supply deal. Um, so my chickens are not what you would be able to find at tractor supply the chickens that are at tractor supply are actually something such as like a buff Orpington, a copper Moran, a red sex link, something like that. Okay. I, I do lavender Orpingtons, uh, golden lace wine dots, silver lace wine dots, the high end show chicken, the show breed. Okay. And then I, and then I cross those up. So I cross Orpingtons with wine dots to get the different color patterns. So like, Whenever I take my chickens out, they set them out on the counter, and everybody's like, whoa, that's a wild two-day-old colored chicken. Are they orphan dots? Got... How, what do we call these things? No. no. That, well, they're – I don't know. That's a pretty good one. I need to write that down. Can you say that again? <laughs> orphan dots. Orphan dots. Okay. I might, I might put that on the box tonight. I got, I got the royalty rights. <laughs> oh yeah look at you buying it <laughs> yeah where's the where's the two percent commission <laughs> yeah that's cheap yeah. oh yeah. good good talk i mean this may be another deal you may not be done here uh we may have another episode down the road because i'm sure we're going to get messages after this uh, there's going to be another chicken somewhere. farmer out there somewhere that's going to love this episode maybe uh the two percent listening will who knows i enjoy it quick break in the action folks you guys know who's doing some of our work now the newest team member of Stock Talk Podcast, Tarbell Marketing and Design. Jace Tarbell is the leading marketing and design guru, if you will, that is doing a lot of cool things. And if you are a new customer of his, you just got 15% off. All you got to do is contact Tarbell Marketing and Design to get your 15% off. Even if you're a returning customer, tell them we sent you. Be a nice little note. Tarbell Marketing and Design, folks, he's not just a graphic designer. He's a brilliant mind in the industry. Get with them. Tarbell Marketing and Design. But let's dive into another topic that uh, maybe more people know about, and that's Kennedy Ventures. And this uh, this deal has kind of caught fire the past couple of years. So, uh, Todd, lead us into kind of how that started and why did you decide to start Kennedy Ventures and make it look a little different than, than some of the others? <clears throat> well, um, 
the, the question is directed to me and it will actually make its way to Blake to probably answer. But uh, what I can tell you about it is, you know, Kennedy Ventures probably expanded off of a multitude of, of several different things. I mean, just as Blake talked about his um, SAE all surrounded perfect timing pig cell, because that's what it, it, it truly was, is, is at the time, the, the joint venture and particularly uh, involvement amongst our family uh, and including, you know, uh, my wife uh, and, and our da my daughter, you know, all of us as a family, we, everything we've done, we've worked it together. And um, the part that a lot of people don't understand and one of the things that Blake um, has done a, a good job with uh, but has been made to do a good job with is, is record keeping, record keeping in finance. And a lot of that has to do with the fact of my wife's uh, uh, background in banking. And uh, she's the one that, uh, that truly keeps us all, you know, in, in line of what that we're supposed to be doing and how we do it all. Uh, but to answer the question of Kennedy ventures is we, we, we come off of just expanding the growth of perfect timings because um you know those that uh, those that know i mean that's the pig cell that we have in the fall of the year and and you know it, it has escalated into to a, a very large uh successful event and then we built off of that and and we then went off of uh the pig cell in the fall of perfect timing we added sweethearts uh that's a sale that we do there in the midwest um uh, in february each year and then um, three years ago, I guess it was, we ventured out and that's when we actually started the exchange. And uh, the exchange was, uh, was something there that was kind of a, um, some, you know, something that had come to the swine industry that, you know, was certainly different than anything that, uh, that we had seen before uh, in terms of uh, when, we, when we sat down to put that deal together. And we did so with some help of some other industry friends and some colleagues and and um, that made it that, that made it really, uh, really unique. So actually, Kennedy Ventures um, come together with a multitude of putting sales, to, you know, putting those sales together. And then from that time, as it moved on, Blake become more and more and more involved in more in, in, in marketing aspects and different things. And then uh, as he even took it a step farther when he implemented um, the work so of, of working with CCI and and working alongside with Christy Collins on some stuff that just opened the door and then Kennedy Ventures has just basically grown and exploded from there but outside of the sale aspect and all that that was the the things that I was truly involved with day to day all of Kennedy Ventures is circulated and circumformed through activities that Blake does and um and that goes that goes many different directions. Obviously, if you like the conversations that you've been hearing him talk about with his chickens, I mean, he's done the same thing in in day to day business. I mean, he does lots of advertising, marketing, and different aspects for a lot of different businesses, and companies, and and um, I'll let him add, let him add to that. Yeah. So. I guess thinking back about it, uh, it really in 2017 uh, was kind of the the day that kind of turned into a marketing aspect of it. Um, before then, I mean, I had did some 
different banner work for uh, great friends. I mean, Ryan and Wendy Seitz and Rhett there at, at Seitz Livestock did banners for them, uh, you know, fur show pigs and, and did videos and pictures of different boars and, and even frontline genetics there in Marshall. And it, it was just kind of something that I, I felt like I had a niche for as well as, you know, as, as dad alluded to, I mean, this kind of started revolving around sales and, and us being involved with them. And, and, you know, it, it's very, very pricey to call somebody and say, Hey, can you make something, you know, for, a, uh, you know, for my Facebook page, you know, and as we were going to grow and, and try to make ourselves as big as we wanted to, uh, I just sat down one day and decided, Hey, I need to start doing this myself, you know, uh, and just kind of self-taught, uh, getting better and better at it is, is what I feel. And, and I mean, today, I mean, still learning every day. I watch YouTube videos, and, you know, just trying to get better and, and, and you know, how to progress myself. Um, but with that, uh, probably in, it was Embryos on Snow uh, in 2018. Um, Christy Collins uh, was there, and uh, I went up, introduced myself, and she just, I, she, I was just like, hey, you know, when, when you get a few minutes of your time, I, I want to talk to you. And, you know, she was kind of like, oh, yeah, whatever, you know, and kind of blew me off. And, and I stuck with it. I mean, I, you know, I kept on her. And, and finally, one day she agreed uh, to meet me at, at Charleston's in Oklahoma City and, and have lunch. And I talked I talked to her and, and we we hit it off. I mean, uh, I, I can tell you, uh, you know, moving forward, our first sale that year was um oie uh at the guilt sale there uh that was the first time that uh the swine industry really saw um that platform and, and since then i mean it's been like a a wildfire i mean it's it's blowing and and going and growing and i can tell you you know somebody i mean i have the uh, I, I told someone the other day you know i have the a privilege of working with chrissy collins every day and you know uh, you know, you get on the phone with her and you just kind of want to shut up and, and listen because she is she is so smart. And I mean, I, I can tell you that my business has has grown. It's developed so, so much better um, because of her. I mean, if you ever have the chance to get her on a podcast, I mean, you know, you, you need to because there is so much that she knows and she's so looked up to and, and just a wonderful business partner. Uh, day in and day out so very good yeah we've actually we've tried a couple times but she's a busy lady and uh yeah it gets busy but we're not gonna quit trying i totally agree uh but that's fascinating it's uh i always enjoy seeing that kind of stuff and marketing the livestock and genetics you guys have done and uh Corey, we can probably slide into the next topics i feel like i'm taking a bunch of these but uh you wanted to start talking about some of the livestock and uh, marketing side of things. So I'll let you take that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously with a lot of the things you guys are involved with, um, you know, marketing and merchandising livestock is a, is a big, big part of your business. And whether that be Todd, you with show, right. And, and helping folks, um, from the feed standpoint of things or, or, you know, through Kennedy ventures and selling, selling livestock and, and the different sales and things that you're a part of. Um, you know, I, I think, one of the best things we could probably dive into here is, is marketing those livestock and genetics. And um, I'd like to probably hear some of your guys' advice and strategies for uh, 
for both new and established breeders. So, um, you know, I think Todd, you know, considering your history in the business, um, you know, I, I would maybe like to get your thoughts on, um, the strategy for those established breeders and then Blake, I'll flip it to you, uh, maybe to talk about some, uh, some ideas and, and strategy for new breeders. Sure. Um, you know, I guess one of the things that I would tell you that, that I think is very important and imperative of anything that you're doing is, um, you know, particularly you brought up the fact, you know, established breeders. I, I, I think the thing that, that we all get somewhat uh, in a rut with, I'll talk about some negative things first, is uh, getting used to doing the same thing that we've always done. And I tell you what, the, some of the successes, looking back on it now, some of the things that we've done uh, that I have to contribute a lot of the success is, is doing things that are different. Um, you know, sometimes we do things, hey, you know, a lot of people have seen some things that we've been a part of that, uh, that, that was successful. But I can tell you what, we've done a lot of things that was failure too. But you got to be able to accept that and you got to go on. And uh, I guess being the thing that I'm going to stress to, to you on that particular topic is, you know, you got to continuously got to try to figure out how to do something different. I don't care if it is how you're selling your livestock or if it's the way you're selling them or how you're pricing them or if they need to be cheaper, they need to be higher. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a thousand different ways to look at everything that you do, but don't get in a rut and doing the exact same thing over and over and thinking that it's going to continuously to work. Um, and that, that's probably one of the strongest messages that I can say, um, that we've had in, that we have learned to have, uh, any success with. The other thing that I'm going to tell you that, uh, that I think a great deal of, uh, that we have to give a lot of credit to, and there's no way that we can go through here and name the name who all deserves credit in this deal because it's so many. And I think when you also talk about that, it, uh, it segues to the fact that for that I'm going with is the fact is don't, don't ever think that you're the only one that it takes to make something happen. You have got to learn to network everything you're doing uh, to, to maximize every effort of, of marketing and selling uh, a project. And that, that goes for, for the person that is, that's wanting to have an online sale. That, that's for the guy that, that, that has his own live sales. That's for, for um, you know, for the guy that's going out to buy, uh, you know, ask, ask for help, whatever it is. Um, you've got to network yourself and be willing to do that. You got to be willing to network and listen to other people that have had successes and give you thoughts and ideas to do something somewhat different than what you're perhaps used to doing. Right. And I, and I do think that goes for, like you said, those established breeders too, that, uh, seems like the quickest way to, to failure. And I think that's why some of these guys have made it as long as they have is because they, they don't listen to this, but you know, it's, it's the, um, it's the adage of, you know, if you, if you do things the way they've always been done, you're always going to get what you've always gotten. And, you know, you won't, you won't take the next step or, or make the next move to, to get better. Um, even as a, as a breeder, that's maybe been around for a while or, or a producer that has. So, uh, good take there. So Blake, uh, I want to flip it to you now and kind of get your thoughts on, um, you know, those newer, 
newer breeders that maybe want to become, uh, get to that level of becoming someone that's established, what are some advice and maybe things that you're seeing uh, from a marketing and, and sales standpoint? Uh, what's some strategy, some stuff like that, that you'd want to touch on? You know, I'm going to, the first thing I'm going to tell you is kind of echo him, you know, be, be different. I mean, that's something that uh, around OYE this year, that was my slogan. I mean, I, I hung banners up that, that said be different. And I truly believe that um, everything, like he said, even on the marketing side that I try to do, uh, you know, try to try to do things that, that are kind of uh, different. I mean, don't overuse the term, but different in the aspect of, you know, when you're putting your online sale together, um, you know, last year or the year before, uh, I think that it was in 2018 was the first year that Will Winter had me out and we did a video. We videoed his lots for his sale. Um, and that was something that worked hand in hand with Show Pig and sent those videos right over to him. And, and all he did was sit down and, and actually... Uh, talk the talk the lots did a description uh, rather than you know sitting down typing everything up to where people uh, had to go through and read them and you know that was something that you know moving forward I've talked to a lot of you know smaller breeders so to speak or guys just getting off the ground you know hey let's sit down and make a video of those things uh, let's take our time and let's spend a few more minutes talking to them and and put, putting them out there for Facebook and for different things uh, for people to see them. And, and a video catches your eye more, more often than a picture does. No doubt. Uh, so many times that, you know, we see on Facebook, we scroll through and we see ads and, we, you know, we just get so tired of it. But for me, I've gotten to learn now, if I see some movement on the screen, uh, you know, I'm going to click on it. I'm going to look at it. And, and that's something that, you know, uh, I, I spend a lot of time uh, on the computer and trying different things. You know, I'm very fortunate enough that uh, I have the ability to to work with 20 or so different uh, businesses and groups uh, for Facebook pages that I take care of. And, you know, I get to see a lot of traffic. I mean, there's 2.6 billion people on Facebook. They use Facebook every, you know, every day or, or monthly. Um, this is the, the studies show the, it says uh, 2.6 billion people in the last month on Facebook in 2020. Okay, so if we break that down, you know, you start talking about how many people are on there that's actually after buying a pig. Well, that number drops significantly. And then we even get smaller about when you start talking about people boosting posts and, and putting money towards this or money towards this because – there's so many people, all the calls that I get, they're like, man, we just, we don't have the following uh, as a breeder that, you know, has been doing this for so long and has so many people, you know, and we're, we're paying $150 or $250, even $500 trying to boost a post and we just can't do it. You know, I would say step back, look at the different groups. I mean, the show pig group in Oklahoma here on Facebook has right around 30 33 to 35,000 followers. Okay, as a small as a small guy, there's somebody that's just getting started, let's go share our link on that Facebook page and just say, "Hey, encourage everybody to get on there." You know, take your photos of a few pigs and post them on there with some graphics behind it, you know, 
and and allow yourself to get the exposure that way because sometimes those people aren't going to go to showpig.com and scroll through and see the sales that's happening that night like me and you well you know? into that sentiment like i would i would say too it, it is amazing to me what just a quality picture of a clean animal can do for a person and like, yes. you know, yes. or, or you talk about those graphics, just other th- stuff that you can do that doesn't cost very much money. It may, maybe takes a little bit more effort, but uh, there's a significant difference in between uh, the people posting. I mean, you look at those Facebook pages every week, I'm sure. And if we were doing a social smash on this one, which we eliminated, you know, that could probably be part of it. It's just the amount of junk that you see sometimes on those. And I mean, I hate to say that, but it, it's true. The, the, uh, just the terrible pictures of, of hogs and dirty pens or, you know, they're not cleaned up or if the if picture angle isn't right or whatever it is, you know, that stuff goes a long way too. Well, the last time I yeah. checked work, work ethic and effort, extra effort was free. So that don't yeah. cost anything to make sure things are right. Right. And you know, I mean, that's something, I mean, think of this, why do you go to a dealership and the car's clean when you buy it? Right. I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to go buy a dirty pickup. So wh- why would you expect somebody to, to get on there, spend their time and, and buy a dirty show pig? I mean, look at it like that, you know, think, think of just, I mean, just what you said, I mean, a little time and effort, you know, it don't cost anything, but, uh, I mean, just doing it, you know? Yep. And, you know, I think that, uh, I, I still, I take this uh, all the way back. I mean, did, did goat camps with, somebody that I look up to dearly, uh, Glenn Martin, you know, he, he always used to say, uh, the small things win big shows, you know, and, and I take that a step farther and say small things, you know, step sets you ahead of the others. Right. You know, I mean, you think about everywhere we looked, I mean, I played college golf and, and I mean, my coach, he wanted us out there, you know, early morning and late in the evening, you know, and I always question myself, you know, why, hey, why, coach, it's wind's blowing 35 mile an hour. Why are we out here hitting range balls right into the wind? You know, why do we move halfway across the, the course just to hit, you know, crosswind shots? Well, then you show up to a tournament and boom, we can beat 50% of the field because that's what we did. We did the small things to advance ourselves, you know, and I mean, you can do that in any form of life if you look at it. And uh, so that, that's what I would say. I mean, the biggest thing that you could do uh, to even just raising pigs uh, or to doing your marketing to, to sell them. I mean, take the small steps. I mean, you know, go to go to Tractor Supply, go to Atwoods and, and buy you two $30 LED lights and hang up above your pen and, and go to Lowe's and buy you two, two three sheets of, of white boarding and put around a pen and a nice bag of shavings and throw down and you know, buy you some purple rain soap and run over them pigs and take a good photo. Yep. You know, and I, I heard somebody the other day, uh, you know, say, well, I can't take pictures cause I don't have a, you know, a $5,000 camera. Well, Hey, you know, uh, a good, a good camera, uh, helps, but you know, being able to, to get at the right angle and the right, uh, you know, the right lighting makes a huge difference. Big time. So, no doubt. And, you know, I love the talk about being different. That's something I talk about when I'm judging shows and, you know, whether it be showmanship or whatever. But those champions look different than everything else. And there's a reason why those good ones always win. And 
uh, rather it be showmen or livestock, uh, they're different. Folks, if you have not already, go to LegacyLivestockImaging.com right now and look at the 2020 show's collection. There's some really good stuff in there. My personal favorite is titled, If You Were There, You Know. Well, I don't need to say any more than that. But what I will do is let you know that Heidi Anderson and her team at Legacy Livestock Imaging will help you tell your ag story. Whether that be sale pictures, ring shots, engagement photos, weddings, you name it, they do it to the highest, absolute highest degree. So go check out LegacyLivestockImaging.com. Go buy some prints. Go check out the backdrop pictures and incredible ring shots today. Back to the show. And speaking of being different, uh, the exchange is something like we've never seen before. And I know, Todd, you kind of mentioned it there earlier in this episode. But let's dig into that because all of this, what we've been talking about, builds up uh, the the base discussion about this. And, you know, being different, marketing your livestock like they need to Kennedy Ventures and the way you guys are selling them. So for those who maybe don't know what the exchange is, give us the what, when, where, why, and the history of the exchange. Sure. Um, well, this is the, uh, I guess we're coming on the third year of the exchange. And uh, those in the swine industry obviously know the most about it because it has been, uh, been an event that we have held in conjunction uh, timeline with the exposition the last couple of years there in uh, uh, Des Moines, Iowa. Well, uh, obviously we're not, uh, we're not able to do that this year uh, after the, uh, the COVID attack and, and quite understanding, but um, we already had some plans and initiatives in place uh, way before this of, uh, of making the exchange even a little different this year compared to years past. Uh, after year one of, of just pigs, uh, we implemented last year uh, three lots of, uh, of cattle. And then this year, our plan was to go ahead and go full bore, and we was going to uh, open it up and have cattle, sheep, goats, and pigs uh, all together. Now, uh, to, to talk about what the exchange is and the mindset behind that was is um, Blake had alluded to earlier about embryo on snow and, and that event that takes place uh, for the cattle industry there at National Western each year uh, that's done. And we, uh, quite frankly, just to be honest, we took a lot of that mindset and success that those people have had over and over and said, how can we bring that to the swine industry? We sat down with a few guys and we talked to them about it first and everybody's like, I don't ever work. And um, we, uh, we had us two or three meetings, uh, different ones. We, uh, we sat in with some groups and we just kept whittling away with different thoughts and ideas of, of how, to, uh, how to make it uh, successful and how to bring something new to the table. And, um, you know, we, when we put the exchange together, it was based around at that time uh, a lot of key females that perhaps were proven or had a little age on them, but had been successful in someone's program, but yet still had some value from a monetary standpoint that somebody might want to sell and move on. 
Uh, so we thought, you know, that's something that happens in the cattle industry. We see a lot of cows that sell three, four, eight, 12 times in their lifetime, it seems like, but you don't ever see anybody doing that with sows. And this might be a good endeavor to allow a person to do something that's, that's, that's different. And I mean, obviously we're going to continuously talk about that and it's going to sound like it's repetitive, but that's, that's kind of what the mindset was. Then, um, then we entertain the fact of um, we, we really seen that there was a value or a thought behind creating a valuable market in frozen semen. And uh, obviously everybody knows the game of frozen semen and how it is in the cattle industry. And that's just part of their day-to-day life. But it wasn't something that our swine industry was really relative uh, to know about or it even existed or if it was even really part of it. And uh, those that do, it seemed like they were very uh, mute and ever wanting to even talk about it or be something that they that they wanted to even share. So we tried to take it upon ourselves to bring that notoriety to the public. And we wanted to say, hey, how does frozen semen fit into the swine industry? Let's find us some frozen semen that have age and went back in time that we could locate some. And let's, let's even find some frozen semen available on some boars that was existing today. Because at that time when we first started this, uh, top cut genetics as well, as well as swine genetics were kind of the two go-to places that, uh, uh, that you could freeze semen. Well, after year one and after that was done, I'm not going to tell you by no means are we going to take full credit by this, but frozen semen in the swine industry has become way more viable. Now we have a full-fledged business that's done through uh, Dustin Bauer there at Krause Sires, done a terrific job. He's working with multiple boar studs. They're freezing semen. People are buying semen. People are using frozen semen. People actually have tanks in their house. But the concept behind the exchange was let's bring new thoughts and new ideas to our industry. And that's, that's what the whole concept behind the thought process was. And that's how that the lots were all generated in year one. That's pretty cool. I was, I've always wondered too, who's, whose brainchild was it? Can anybody claim it? Um, I would probably tell you that. I mean, um, I, I sat there, uh, I sat there at, um, in Denver, Colorado. And I, I, it crossed my mind as to, I looked around inside that room at, um, at embryo on snow. And I said, why can't the swine people do what the cattle people are doing? Yep. And, uh, when we left there, we actually, uh, uh, I left there, I stewed on it for quite some time. Um, and then, uh, quite frankly, I'll tell you, I mean, as midsummer approached, um, and I, I said, we talked to four or five people, a couple of that got eliminated, uh, pretty quickly after different involvements of, of, of time and different measures. But Blake and I sat down with, uh, Jesse Heimer and Nick Berry, uh, two people, great friends of ours, uh, great industry uh, leaders and have an understanding for the business. We put our heads together. Um, one of our August, first August 2nd, it was August 2nd. Okay. 
August 2nd, whatever. I knew yeah. I was close, midsummer, <laughs> late summer. But anyway, we uh, we said and talked about it for the first time in a true business manner as how could it work and if it would work. And we didn't know if it would work, but I told the guys then, I remember we sat in a room in Kansas City and I told them, I said, we've got to expect this to be failure. And I said, we've got to expect that we're going to get a lot of negativity and pushback from the industry because they don't understand and they don't understand what we're doing and why we're trying to do it. But I said, that's not our role. I mean, our role is let's tell them why we're doing it and what we're doing it for. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and let's take that approach. And as long as we would stay with that approach, I thought, you know, Hey, you know, we need to do this. And um, so I, I would tell you that a lot of the thought would have, it was orchestrated by me. Uh, and then uh, as we accumulated all of the thoughts and processes, um, one thing that's very good about me is I'm very, uh, very willing to hand things off, if you will. And uh, uh, I was able to hand a lot of that off. And, and, and truthfully, uh, at that point, I would tell you that maybe uh, a lot of the, the, the conversation amongst Blake and particularly Jesse, uh, I still think Jesse's one of the uh, one of the great marketing minds in our entire industry uh, with the abilities of the things that he does. I think Blake and Jesse did a great uh, a great deal of that. Maybe me and Nick probably uh, talked a lot more about different, uh, business aspects and what we could bring to the table and, and, and cultivate new from the outside. So that's kind of how that the conversations all started and built it to where it is today. Awesome. Well, it's, uh, it's certainly been an event that I think folks look forward to every year. And obviously with this year being a little different, um, let's real quick, uh, just touch on, uh, kind of what the plan is for this year, how people and can expect to to see the exchange in 2020? So the 2020 exchange, we're moving forward 100% go. Sell uh, date is going to be June 11th. Um, our catalog can be found at kennedyventuresok.com. Uh, we'll have that, that catalog is up and ready to, uh, ready to be seen as well as if you want to uh, forward that to a Staples or a print shop, that actually can be printed off and you can have a hard copy. Uh, to have there in hand. Uh, new this year, the, the sale is going to be live online. Uh, so all bidding uh, is going to take place online at cci.live. Um, if, if you have any questions whatsoever, you can find all those at, at on the website there at kennedyventuresok.com. Give myself a call, uh, dad, anyone, uh, feel free to reach out to us. We are very, very excited. Uh, about this sale. I know we're going to do some things that is unique. Uh, that's kind of our, our game plan and what we've always been about trying to do. Um, we did step out and we are going to have multi-species, cattle, goats, sheep, swine, as well as some different unique lots and surprises that you that you'll see in the catalog as you flip through it. I tell you what, as a sheep guy, I am pretty pumped about uh, the exchange this year. I've talked to several folks that uh, have mentioned they're going to have some pretty unique lots in there, which is exciting uh, for for guys like me who, though I am very much a a show pig enthusiast, uh, the dollars and cents 
around our place don't get invested there quite yet. So it is nice to see uh, the, the different species. Folks, there's a show happening in Ohio, the Buckeye Livestock Expo. Now, this is not just for Buckeyes. This show is open to anybody who wants to come to it. Typically, shows of this nature have been closed to Ohio only, not Buckeye Livestock Expo. Anybody who wants to travel to Holmes County Fairgrounds in Millersburg, Ohio, will show on the last weekend in June, which is only two weeks away, folks, at the Buckeye Livestock Expo. This show includes hogs, sheep, and goats. Saturday, we will show both sheep and hogs, judged by no other than Brent Jennings, and the hogs will be evaluated by Seth Keplinger. And on Saturday, our goats are evaluated by Dale Hummel, and the hogs will be evaluated by no other than Ryan Rash. Happening the last weekend in June, 27th and 28th, Buckeye Livestock Expo folks, get on the Facebook page of Buckeye Livestock Expo and enter now. The entries are open, happening the last weekend in June. We'll see you there, guys. Trevor, um, let's let's segue into uh, to our segment that we've we've started here called the breakdown. All right, the breakdown brought to you by Brad Hall Ford, locomo- located in Kokomo, Indiana. Really excited. Uh, to be working with the folks at Brad Hall again here in 2020. Make sure that uh, you take advantage of that 0% uh, APR for, you know, brand new truck here. Uh, not not saying that you need to go buy a brand new one, but uh, if I was going to do that, I would go to the folks at Brad Hall Ford. Yeah, even so, if you got an uh, SUV, whatever, They're, they kind of yeah, got it all. That's right. You can, do, you can get whatever you need. Um, so... I think one of the things too that uh, maybe kind of relates a little bit to something we talked to about earlier. Um, I, I think this one's kind of an interesting thing to break down. So we want to break down separating good from great, the little things that make the difference uh, from being good and great in the showstock business. Um, and, and, you know, I'll let Todd Blake, whoever wants to take first, uh, First at bat there uh, with this one, floors open. Well, I've got I've got a uh, one quick answer to that, and I think mine goes along the fact is it doesn't matter if you're buying, you're for selling, if you're at home uh, and you're you're doing it as show animals or what. But the one thing that I'll tell you that uh, that I really push, and when we do a lot of camps and clinics on the show right side. Uh, something that I always uh, really stress there. And then, um, you know, if, if Blake and I is talking to a group of our consigners or whatever we're doing, I still try to stress it here. And that's the fact that I'm going to tell you to, to do it with your group, your team, and your family. Because it always starts, any of your successes will always start with the people you surround yourself with and the people you're doing your business with every day. And, and even though that that sounds a little somewhat cliche or it sounds like it's something that's given, I think it's, I think that is the most important part of anything that you can do. Hmm. So I would start with that. Yeah, no doubt. That's, that's, 
that is actually probably overlooked, or maybe what you said. It's kind of people think uh, that that's already happening, but if you surround yourself by people who have the same high goals as yourself, um, and you come from somebody who has that same kind of work ethic, it just kind of rubs off. I often hear uh, uh, one of my good mentors, uh, Adam Nydren, who has he's, he's he jokes he's nobody in the industry, but man, his mind is good, and he always tells me you're a product of the average of the five people you interact the most with. And I think right. that kind of goes back to exactly what you're thinking about separating yourself and talking about being different, separating yourself from being good to great. And I guess my next point uh, there that I would tell you is, um, you know, and again, uh, you, you do it. I, I don't think anybody has success on their own. Uh, and I think that kind of correlates with what we just talked about. But I think success is um, success to be successful. Uh, you kind of got to do it as a team, as a group, as a network, whatever it is. But even within that group, understand that not everybody has to be on the same page. Uh, Blake and I don't agree. We don't agree with everything. Uh, you know, um, me and my wife don't agree. Blake and his mom don't agree. You know, when we sit down and have roundtable discussions at the house about things, very seldom does the three of us ever come to the table all in agreements. But with that being said, that's also what makes things successful because we sit down, we're able to talk think, talk through things. Having the ability to work with your group or your team, I think, is very important and talk out differences because not everybody, I mean, to create success, you don't have to be on the same page. And taking criticism from from one another, I think that is huge. I think that is something that um, that so many of us overlook. And I think that's something that we have to be able to do that to move forward and take the next step. And we always want to talk about, and one thing that Blake talks about a lot, and I think it has to be because we've drilled it in his mind over and over is, so many little things is what adds up to the big thing and the big picture. And I, I think those things all correlate with one another. It's because of your understanding the difference of what's right or wrong for the time, what's right or wrong in terms of your need or what needs to be done. So I, I think, uh, I think being able to, to do that is very, very important. No doubt. Uh, you know, for those that do not have the privilege of sitting behind this computer screen right now, and seeing what we're seeing on Blake's on Blake's video is just incredible. We uh, we just got a brief tour of what I assumed to be the chicken coop. And uh, Blake, how hard is it raining there right now? Sorry, I was muted. It is coming down. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that is wild. Well, uh, Todd, that's no, that's that's great stuff. Couldn't agree with you more about uh, you know building a team and, and making sure that, uh, you know, I I think there's all sorts of good, good stock people out there. Um, but those are the, the things that I think separate the, the good, the good ones from the great ones. And, uh, uh, you know, I'd like to think that everybody that listens to this deal aspires to be a great one. Um, it's tough to, it's tough to get to that category though. And, uh, kind of what you said right there is definitely some steps to take, I think, to, to make sure that that, that's attainable. Um, as we wrap up here, um, does that mean I'm stuck with the last question, Corey? You just stick me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did. Uh, we always, uh, this season, we ask all of our guests, 
Uh, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned uh, while being involved in the show stock industry? And I know uh, Blake's probably busy with chores right now, so we'll we'll let him finish up, and then uh, uh, we'll go to Todd again. But um, share with us just some of the biggest lessons that you've learned in in your time in the industry. Well, I've uh, I've been um, I've been fortunate to be through be through it to where that I've seen several changes and um you know i mean i've i've been uh, i've been around uh, the swine industry obviously for quite some time i mean uh and when i talk about changes i don't mean just changes in terms of the livestock themselves i mean yes we've seen you know little fat pigs we've seen big tall hard ones that's not the not maybe the quite the point that i'm going to try to make here but we've seen a lot of changes in terms of how everything is done in terms of marketing uh, we've seen major generation changes from within our industry uh, in terms of some of our leaders, our mentors, uh, maybe the people that we always wanted to look up to. Then you can look at them now and you say, well, things are a little different. Uh, they handle things maybe a little different than how everything else is today. Um, you know, I, I guess that I would just tell you that uh, um, the, the, the change of pace in our industry um, it, it is rapid fire. And, and, you know, a person has got to be able to adapt to every one of those. I'm not one that, that I can sit here and tell you that it's just easy for me to adapt, but I have certainly learned to adapt. And I think all of us as a society have, have as well, you know, particularly during this COVID deal, I think this has been quite an eye opener for a lot of us, but um, I think, just just a change in general and i know that's a pretty vague uh term but uh adapting to change is i think is is probably the the greatest lesson that i've learned um and i certainly certainly can uh, tell you that it's been that way from a from a standpoint of marketing because uh man i mean it's it's something new every day that's on the horizon mm. yeah that's yeah there's no doubt and it You've got to change a little. I mean, I don't change who you are as far as that goes, but like you said, it's so rapid, and you got to learn to adapt in some way, shape, or form. But, um, yeah, I know the list is long as far as lessons learned, but I always I love hearing these, Corey, because uh, we haven't really had a lot of the same answers like we did last season. Right. And, uh, you know, there's so many lessons that I'm still learning uh, in my tenure as uh, as in the livestock industry. So Blake, what are some of the lessons you've learned if you're able to answer? Yeah, I would say for those, am I unmuted here? Yep. You're good. Okay. I would say, you know, right off the bat as someone that was showing not too long ago, uh, and for the youngsters listening, you know, getting involved. Uh, I mean, the people that you're going to meet and the people that you're going to be around are going to be your lifelong friends. They're going to be, you know, someone that, uh, you know, for me is, you know, traveling with dad and getting to go to, to people's houses, such as a Jesse Heimer or, or meeting Nick Berry, you know, and today working with him closely. I mean, even on the exchange, as well as all the other breeders that, uh, you know, that we deal with and all the other sales is something that, you know, is remarkable. You know, the banners that we win, the buckles that we get, I mean, the banners are going to fade, the buckles, We'll outgrow them, but the memories that we make, something that's never going to be forgotten. You know, and I think that that's something that is really, really big and very important 
uh, you know, to, to soak it up. I mean, I miss it. Uh, I miss it dearly. You know, if I could go back and if I could show another pig or if I could stick another goat, you know, I would love to. Um, you know, and, and that's the that's the biggest thing is, is, you know, don't take it for granted. Soak up every minute of it and remember why you're doing it. You know, remember that it's about the worth ethic and, and the responsibility that you learn uh, is what makes you who you are, you know. Uh, so I think that that is that's something that, that I've always lived by. Uh, that my parents have always told me that, you know, when we load up to go to a show, you you do as good as you can and and uh, and have fun doing it, you know. Um, and I can tell you that, you know, every time I walk in the ring, I uh, I caused a scene or I uh, I did something that was re- rememberable. But that's just kind of the person that I am, you know. And uh, so. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's uh, it's been been fun chatting with you guys. I I've really enjoyed getting to to get to talk to you you fellas more and uh hope to to see you down the road again soon but blake it looks like you need to get uh get those chickens loaded up and get them things sold at the auction tonight so good luck uh let me know what those things yeah. bring maybe we can start a satellite <laughs> flock up here in I indiana i tell you you know chrissy chrissy collins she's his red angus she is also in the red chicken business oh she there just you won't go tell me. She, <laughs> She won't tell no one. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, guys. We appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to uh, seeing how the exchange goes this year. Well, thank you, and uh, we appreciate you guys reaching out to us and letting us uh, kind of yep. share our Sounds story. And... All right. We'll see you. All right. You. See you. Well, those two are uh, something else, and – Having incredible success with the exchange. Really looking forward to seeing what that's like tomorrow and on waltwebcasting.com. Um, so Blake actually did call me after we were done with this episode, and he apologized because he had some equipment sitting outside. He had to take some chickens to the auction, and this guy was coming, and everything kind of uh, happened all at once. Plus, a monsoon was coming through Oklahoma there, and uh, he, he had to get things done during the episode. So a little choppy there towards the end, but um, really appreciated Blake and Todd jumping on and uh, sharing their thoughts about a lot of things. And, hey, we even learned a little bit about some show chickens. Yeah, learned a lot about some show, show chickens. <laughs> I don't, I uh, I went to uh, kind of a, uh, it probably could just be labeled a funny farm. Um, and I happened to see a chicken, a pretty Pretty cool colored chicken. I'm like, I wonder if that's got some Blake Kennedy genetics in there. Probably not. I don't know. <laughs> Seems a little too free range. Yeah. Well, anyway. um, folks, we wanted to update you on a couple things. Um, we did not do the best job, Corey, of uh, promoting our Build Your Legacy Scholarship. We did it a couple times, but I'm going to tell you what. The entries that we got were pretty darn good. I would agree. And spanning virtually coast to coast yes and even a even a can an entry from canada yeah how cool is that so, so uh, a lot of a lot of good folks there um they the scholarship is closed now so Corey and i are going to really dig through those letters and videos and find us the winner um it's going to take some time so uh we will reach out to those who have submitted a scholarship entry Absolutely. Um, also, for those of you that are listening that have had an exhibitor 
placed the top 10 in the showman that uh, we hosted here at stock talk those awards cash prizes buckles banners whatever else they're coming your way soon be patient with us uh we're, we got everything gathered up it's just just a matter of getting them shipped out yep yep we're so packaging they are, they are coming and, and um, how buckles trevor are sweet oh man i'm jealous i should have just had a I, what if well, we, that's what we should have done we should have got belt buckers ourselves and just say the showman and then just you know nothing underneath because there's no way we could have beat any of those exhibitors who won so is it too is it too selfish to to just make a stock talk belt buckle oh like what you think i'm these kids getting these belt buckles if uh you think about it uh shoot us a photo of your banners when you get them that'd be kind of cool to see yeah um some of the kids and their smiling faces hopefully they're way cool the banners are awesome belt buckles are incredible um and of course, you're going to have some checks in your hand if you were in the yeah, top ten. Be nice. So, uh, yeah, be patient. We're wrapping things up and getting them sent out. Uh, it just takes a little bit of time to find the right boxes to fit everything in and the right packaging. So, we're getting it out there. We have not forgotten about you, um, and we'll go from there. Yeah. So, well, if you made it this far, you know we love you. That's right. Guys, um, thank you for your patience. Um, we skipped last week, but that's quite okay. We had other important things to get done, and we will be back next week. We appreciate every single one of you. Love you all.